Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And Carl Reindler. Well, here we go. The last show of our season, the last Grand Prix of the year. Carl Reindler joins me in the studio. Cameron Vandendungen here. This is Gridwalk with thanks to Bedpost. Upgrade your sleep with Bedpost to recharge your mind and body. Tonight, you can join the conversation 1300 736 736, or you can also join us on the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433 Carl, I'm a little bit teary, mate. It's our last one. Can you believe how quickly this season's gone? The first time that uh, SEN's been running a dedicated Formula One show, and it's been it's been a ripper. It's flown by, hasn't it? And what I've what I've loved about it is we've done it from all over the world. I've I've been to Formula One races. You were in LA. I think it's probably the most global show that SEN's ever had. <laughs> we, we'll have to give a special thank you to the technical team at the end of this. Oh, yeah. I think I think they actually said we are the most complicated show they actually deal with. But yeah. uh, we've got lots to get through tonight. We had qualifying last night in Abu Dhabi for the uh, final Grand Prix of the year. Max Verstappen will start on pole. But Oscar Piastri, what a season for a rookie. We've talked about him so many times throughout this year, but to put that McLaren on the second row of the grid in third place, this is a kid that is in his first season in Formula One and he just continues to amaze. Yeah, look, we were already convinced, I think, uh, right from the commencement of the season. Um, yeah, he, he won F2 or he won F3. He won F2, missed a year, and he proved very early on that he was going to be a a force to be reckoned with, and uh, he's actually challenging and giving it to Lando, who's, you know, so far highly regarded as uh, one of the best younger drivers, at least in the field. And uh, he's won a won a race this year and uh, a sprint race in Qatar, which I was fortunate enough to be there for. It's uh, it's been unreal. So I think he's in a good position to finish on a high. It'd be nice to see a podium or uh, or something better from Oscar. And the McLarens have been really fast this weekend. It's uh, it's exciting. They're in legitimately in the hunt here. When you look at the tyre run, we saw now it's really difficult to get a tyre read um, at Abu Dhabi this time because FP1 had so many rookie drivers doing that session. Then we had the two red flags in FP2. Yeah, that's actually a good point you make. We did have all the rookies in that first practice session, including another young Aussie, Jack Doohan, had, uh, had a steer in the, uh, in the Alpine. Did a really good job. Ended up finishing 13th in that session, which I think is uh, pretty impressive, given it's not a... Nearly but, had a massive accident as well as oh, he was coming I around heard, with the back marker. I didn't actually see it, but I, oh. uh, I heard about it. He was very lucky. The other driver got uh, reprimanded for it. But, um, yeah, and a couple of red flags, which, which to me shows that the cars at Abu Dhabi, for whatever reason, are really tricky to drive. And, and you and I both got up at Sparrows this morning and watched qualifying. Uh, me in Adelaide, you in uh, in Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, 
Go I was just going to say, it's um, it, it was a really good session. Uh, I think Ferrari are looking very good. Charles Leclerc will start on the front row of the grid. And when we went back over our notes, and Carl, you sent me a really good race breakdown from Las Vegas. Just, by the way, how cool was that episode? Two hours, watch party. We sat in here, got to call, uh, well, we weren't allowed to call play-by-play because we had some... Up- updates. We had to give updates. That's a what it was. A couple of updates along the way. But the notes you sent me, Carl... And we said it in here on the show at the time. Now, we didn't have all the data around us because we had to carry on a show, but um, it looked like it was one that got away for Ferrari. And if not for that safety car, they, they should have won that race. They, they absolutely should have won that race. Um, and I still want to – I'd love, you know, to go back in time. We don't have a crystal. Yeah, we, we're not able to do that. But um, there was that mistake that Charles made at the end, and I reckon he would have been very close. He would have been in the hunt to, to have a crack at Max on that last lap. But anyway, moving on from Vegas, I reckon this weekend's going to be awesome. Uh, what time is the race on overnight? Oh, mate, it's very, <laughs> it's very early in the Middle East. That, uh, we've got a big show coming up tonight. We're going to continue to go down uh, through the order in qualifying off the top of the show. Track limits, I've got, I've got one for you, Carl, a little later on. That'll be after, after our first break. We're also going to be going through... Um, DRS. We'll start looking at some of the, the year ahead, some of the rumours, what might happen in the off-season. We've also got the stewards' room. There's been some more rules and regulation changes which have just been flip-flopping all year. We'll break that down a little later on. Sean Kelly, fingers crossed, he's on his way out to the circuit at the moment. The virtual stat man will join us. He's been a regular with us throughout the course of the year. You've been in hotel rooms in Japan with him dialing in. Um, I was in LA once with you guys somewhere else. And then we did that show all together in Singapore as well, which was very cool. That was a lot of fun. The the best spot sitting on a rooftop in Singapore, beautiful ambient temperature, having a a quiet uh, couple of, uh, what, refreshing beverages is the best way of putting it. But lots to uh, go through tonight. I want to come back to to qualifying though because I think whilst Max Verstappen is on pole and the amount of live crosses I do everyone goes oh Max by how far Max by how far I don't think that's the case in the race this evening tomorrow morning wherever you are when you're watching it I think Ferrari and McLaren are in race trim as good if not better at the moment now it was a demon tweak that they had to put on that car in uh, in practice to get the Red Bull into a window to put him on pole that Ferrari and the McLarens look very good on that medium compound and also harder compound tyre. Yeah, I agree. I think the Ferraris are in with a really good shot uh, at, a, at a win if they get it right. Well, one of them anyway. Well, I mean, the... <laughs> yeah, Carlos has got a long way to come but, back. But that lap that Max did was, I, I watched it over and over, and it was a it was a close to flawless lap in my opinion. And he actually did it on his first set of tyres, not his second set where most others did. So... There are a lot of little mistakes. I don't think anyone else really put a lap together. But as you say, you you reflect back on the practice times and the long runs with the heavy fuel. And I I reckon two McLarens in uh, third and fifth, I think they are on the grid. And then uh, that Ferrari on the front row. It's, I think we're in for a good race. We'd love to hear from any of you out there listening in on our uh, wonderful Gridwalk show. So wherever you are throughout Australia and New Zealand, you can call in one 736 or you can send us a text on the 40 Winks Temper text line 0433 The question I'm asking a lot of our listeners right now is, is it is it Red Bull by how far or are you with us? Do you think that McLaren are in, in for a, a race win here tonight? And Charles Leclerc, I mean, how many races has he started from pole? He's not in pole tonight. He's on... Um, position number two, front row of the grid. But that Ferrari's just looking good. And it's, they've been able to unlock those tyres finally, but it's the last race of the year. So you go, what could have been? Well, as we say, you're only as good as your last performance in Formula One. It'd be nice for Ferrari to finish on a 
on a high with a race win with uh, with Charles uh, going into the off season with a bit of confidence. But I think that, that you're right. Everyone's been catching Red Bull slowly but surely. But it, it scares me though, Cam, because what does this mean for next season? If they've stopped, you know, effectively they have. improving they've, this they've year's They've all stopped car. developing their cars. They, they all have, but... How long has Red Bull been focused on the 2024 car? I'm I'm frightened to see how quick that that car next year. Yeah, but we be. thought that we genuinely thought that with Mercedes. Remember when they came back and it was uh, what 2022? So we we'd finished 2021, and we'll we'll talk about that again later because 2021 is a story that never goes away. But it looked like a drop pie. And they're like, oh, this looks fast. I mean, go back to the Netflix Drive to Survive series and everyone's going, geez, this car looks fast. George Russell says, this car looks fast. We're going in a brand new direction. And uh, it wasn't very fast. And I think Red Bull have been quite brash in their press leading into next year to say that next year's car is going to be even better again. But again, until uh, until they head out for qualifying at the first round in... Uh February? February next year, isn't it? Or yeah, March. it's going to be a long year. And I reckon we might want to unpack just how long this season is now in Formula One. Are they starting to get a bit tired? I mean, media teams are having to rotate multiple teams now because you just can't stay on the road. It's full on for the drivers. Like, you've you've been there in, uh, in Europe racing. It's a full on, just normal, you know, uh, summer for them, winter for us when they go racing. But... If you're in Formula One, not only is it a full-time job, but there's really no off-season. Even the summer break's probably the longest break you get. Yeah, that burnout's a real thing, and that, and I'm not talking about spinning tyres, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. For the drivers, we talk, we talk about the drivers. Yes, they're in the limelight. Uh, they're the centre of attention at all those rounds, and they've arguably got the hardest job of anyone within those teams. But they've also got the best... Um, attention, the best care. They've got these performance coaches that look after them and watch every move and they're looked after. They travel on private jets. They, they're genuinely looked after. I feel, as you say, Cam, for all of the other team members. And, and these teams are bringing sometimes hundreds of people to the track yep. every weekend. weekend. It's uh, It was always relentless, but with 24 events on the calendar next year, yeah, you know, Toto didn't turn up to a number of rounds this year. No. Uh, it's just not sustainable. That mid-season break previously, they used to send the drivers to training camps. Now they're like, just disappear, go away. Don't think about Formula One for, for three or four well, weeks. It, it makes me Switch. think of Valtteri Bottas when we had him on the show and he talked about how much as a mature driver, it's more that he needs other hobbies. Lewis Hamilton started getting into music and fashion and other things because he needed something away from it. Carl, we'll, we'll keep going on this show. We've got plenty to digest and dissect today. Remember, one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is our call-in line or you can text us, 40 Winks Temper, text line 0433 98 11 16. Just before we go to the break, Daniel Ricciardo starts out of P15. Teammate, though, Yuki Sonoda, career best starting position on the third row in six. That is outstanding for the young Japanese driver. You cannot help but be excited and really happy for Yuki. I think he deserves it. Uh, I, one thing, you, you talk about that between Yuki and Daniel, huge difference between them. But there's something about this qualifying session in Abu Dhabi. This, I've never, and, and maybe Sean later on might correct me on it, but I feel like there's never been such a big differential between teammates. You've got Lewis who didn't make it in, out of Q2. Daniel didn't make it out of Q1, yet Yuki's in P6. There's huge differences between these drivers. So. Yeah, the only ones that are close, really, when you look McLaren. at it, is McLaren, Oscar yeah. and Lando. Carl, we've got so much to do on Gridwalk. We've got to take a quick break, so we've got a lot coming up for you on the other side of this. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433 98 11 16. 
You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. Awesome to have a couple of people already joining in the conversation. Dave Stilwell has sent us a text message on the 40 Winks Temper text line. Tuned in live on the way home from Pyarks Island Magic. It's schoolies for grassroots motorsport from Dave Stilwell. We both know Dave Stilwell. He's a uh, long-time competitor, official from a very famous motorsport family as well, the Stilwell family. Yes, he is. G'day, Dave. Hope you're uh, enjoying the show, and uh, I'll see you at, in race control at some stage next year, I, I think. I have no doubt. The only time I ever see anyone in race control these days, I'm passing them on my way to a commentary box or I'm giving them money at the end of... Uh, passing under yellows or something again. Always in trouble. Cam. Always in trouble, but great to hear from him. And also, how cool, by the way, was it uh, to have so much motorsport on this weekend? Isle of Magic, Phillip Island Auto Racing Club is my car club. I love that event, and uh, I would have loved to have been there. hope you all loved it. Quick shout out to them, of course. Yeah, we've got Mark on the line. Before we get there, I've also got a question here for you, Carl, so save this one. Interested in your thoughts on where the 2026 engine partnerships end up with McLaren, who just signed up. Yeah, good point. They did just sign up a long-term deal with Mercedes-AMG. Um, when, yeah, they thought they would snap up the Honda deal. Good one. They didn't leave a name, the, the texter there. Thank you. We will come back and talk those engine deals a little later on. But in the meantime, one of our regular callers, Mark from Quakers Hill. Mark, mate, it's our last show. Can you believe it? We've loved having you on board. Uh, what, what can we do, mate? How can we uh, give you some information? Well, first of all, let me say Merry Christmas to you, boys, and hello. Um, I... I've been, I'm, I'm a first-time listener this year, and I've been very impressed with the show, so you can count me in as a regular listener for this year and uh, going onwards next year. And I've got a couple of questions. Uh, number one, how have they determined how safe the Abu Dhabi track's going to be tonight compared to Las Vegas? Because, I mean, especially in Abu Dhabi, where it's a high-stakes race being the final one of the season, you don't want drivers wearing, uh, running the risk of wearing manhole covers as a fashion accessory, as uh, one of the drivers did in the Las Vegas race. And secondly, I've heard uh, out there in cyberspace that there's going to be a bit of a unsettling of the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne with regard to it either being uh, going to another Australian city like Sydney or maybe gone from Melbourne altogether. Have you heard anything about that? I'm going to jump in on that one straight away. I, I've been able to interview the minister, Steve Demopoulos, on a number of occasions. Uh, I spoke to Martin Bakula, who was the former sports minister and now the chair of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. I've caught up with Travis Old, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. There was a cheeky person in the, uh, the press that wrote an article that was probably politically motivated the amount of tickets selling out in the first hour, the infrastructure that they're looking at putting into that site, I can categorically tell you that event is going nowhere. The uh, the government is committed, the Grand Prix Corps committed, and that and I'm not part of that group, so I'm not paid to say that. I can just tell you that when you speak to the people involved, they are all in for a very, very long time. Now, as for safety, I'll pass that over to you, Carlos. Yeah, Mark, I'm curious to understand um, more more about the question regarding safety. I mean, uh, you're comparing a firstly a street circuit, and we all we're all aware about the uh, the issues with the manhole cover. They rectified it. It wasn't an issue for the remainder of that weekend. But is there is there something that I've missed that's happened at Abu Dhabi this weekend? No, no, no. I'm just curious um, with regard to my angle on that question was it seemed in Las Vegas that the people in charge didn't do like as simple a thing as a track walk to determine any safety risk to drivers. Like, oh gosh, maybe we should, you know, weld these manhole covers shut so they're not posing a danger to any of our drivers when the cars go over them at 300 clicks an hour type thing. Yeah. um, Oh, sorry. You you keep going, keep going. Yeah. And uh, just one more point to that. It's like in Abu Dhabi, it's a completely 
Well, it's similar in Las Vegas to climate in that it's a desert climate, uh, but there might be more humidity there. So have they done any, uh, like, research or um, investigation with regard to how that might affect uh, the cars with regard to will the engines wear out more quickly, will the tyres wear out more quickly? And, you know, in Las Vegas, they had a, I believe they had a situation where one of the drivers had a spill of some sort and then they had to replace an engine or parts of the engine and then the Formula One suits docked them a number of points because they said there was too many parts added to the engine. And I would hate to see a dumb rule like that have any bearing on both racing quality and positions determined at the end of the race. Yeah, yeah so I'm going to answer the second part of your question first regarding Abu Dhabi specifically. They've been going to Abu Dhabi for a number of years now. You, you had a nice fire there too, didn't you, when you were there in a supercar? Oh, I remember that. I, you know, you're right. You don't remind me. I caught, <laughs> I was racing supercars there in uh, 2011 or 2012, and I happened to catch on fire, which is a repeat repeated thing for me. I just, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's not go there. Um, they uh, they they know what the climate's like when they go there. They're a lot more confident in uh, the package that they bring, the aero package, the engine engine package, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a lot more known variables. Whereas whereas regarding engine issues and aerodynamics and everything going into Vegas, they they have all these incredible simulation programs that they run. But at the end of the day, simulation versus reality can be a little bit different. You can have the best engineers in the world, the best software um, but until you physically get there yourself and and the other thing is they've never really run these cars in you know six seven degree temperatures too yeah high oh, speed look, track so it, the, the the las vegas one they actually did uh weld down the covers what they didn't get it was actually ripped up the, the the bitumen around it so in the end they just had to cover the whole lot in that was they couldn't yeah sorry carl he's got his finger up here mark i've got to get to track limits as yep. well boys we I, can't I, just I, have I, a chat I, I, <laughs> but, but i i think it's important people know that the um the entire FIA team, uh, including myself, uh, Bert Maylander as the safety car driver, we all do a track walk on the Thursday morning of every event. Sometimes it's the Wednesday, the Australian Grand Prix, it's always the Wednesday. So you'll see a huge entourage of uh, FIA and not only FIA, but circuit specific. So the promoters uh, or the local governing body for in Australia, it's obviously Motorsport Australia. We all walk the circuit. It takes over an hour to do. Uh, Niels, as the race director, is incredibly thorough. He looks at absolutely everything. The trouble is, as I think I meant, might mention, might have mentioned to you last week, Mark, is that there's so many different layers. It's so complex that it was honestly, it was a, I think, a bit of an oversight. They did weld down what I've been told. They did weld yeah, they down did. all those manhole covers and water covers or whatever yeah. they were, but it was the bitumen itself yeah, that's failed around the outside, and that's just something that that's never happened before. It's on the radar. Yep. They've rectified yeah. it. I just, I just can't see it being an issue. Hey, again. Mark, Merry Christmas to you as well, mate. Thank you for being a no listener. Problem. Thank you for being involved. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to having a chat Thank with you uh, in uh, 2024. In the meantime, though, we're going to keep the show moving, and we're going to get straight into track limits now. Track limits for temper. A mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEN. Okay, that was a third stroke of track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? Cameron Vandendungen, you've continued to surprise me throughout this year with track limits. It's our last track limits. What do you have in store for me tonight? Well, there was there was a few that I've done this year that I thought would be controversial that didn't end up being that controversial. Others that I thought were just going to be relatively run-of-the-mill. Next thing you know, there's articles all over They've the place being written serious, about it. Serious traction. A little bit of traction. 
This is one that I've been thinking for a while. And after qualifying, I'm there. I'm there to make this statement right now. And yes, Carl, I saw the text line. Thank you, Dave Stilwell. <laughs> Carl is super hot, apparently. He uh, he tried to tell me that when they were doing Fifty Shades, he went for the casting. Oh, didn't uh, didn't work for the for the big fella. You're so mean, mate. Leave me alone. Anyway, here's my statement. Track limits. I'd love you all to join in and say whether I'm inside or outside the lines. Call one three hundred seven three six seven three six or the Forty Winks Temper text line zero four three three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Can I say that you're outside of track limits before? I you haven't even start? said anything yet, mate. Come on. <laughs> all right, here we go. Lewis Hamilton will never win another Formula One World Drivers Championship. Seven's it. Seven's it. Seven is it. And that is actually quite fitting, I think, because he will finish his career, I believe, I'm adamant, equal with Michael Schumacher. I don't know how I feel about that. Do you think he's still got it in him, another world championship? I don't. I think he's the door's closed. There's there's a couple of things here for me. Um, does he... Is he still hungry for it? I think the hunger is still there. Is he still at his peak? No, I, I think he's past his peak. But is he still capable of winning a world championship under the right circumstances with the hunger there, the motivation and the team what, around him? What level of car would need to be given to him to dominate and beat? I mean, George Russell's out qualifying him as much as he's being out-qualified by Lewis. Lando Norris is on the rise. Oscar Piastri's on the scene. Max Verstappen is at the peak of his powers. Red Bull is dominating. Like, the list goes on. Charles Leclerc is coming back for Ferrari. Carlos Sainz is fantastic. How does Lewis win another World Drivers' Championship? Do you know what? I think what I've seen with Lewis, I mean, he he's, he's incredible at building the team around him. If he gets the sniff of a World Championship, you'll see the best of him come back out again, is what I think. Um, his dad was allegedly calling Christian Horner trying to get him a drive in at Red Bull. That's been one of the big bits of news that's that sort of right? popped yeah, going I've, into this I've, one. I've so Chris, that Christian one. Horner made statement that uh, he'd been approached by Lewis. Lewis was asked directly. Lewis said, I didn't approach them. None of my people approached them. Christian Horner came out and said, I've known Anthony Hamilton a very long time, and he did ask the question. So I think the problem that Lewis is going to face, let's let's say he's in an incredibly competitive car next year, Red, Red Bull-esque car of this year. He's still going to have a teammate beside him that is incredibly fast. He's going to have to do something different to stand out from his teammate. And it's it's not just about being faster. It's about being consistent. It's about having buy-in from the entire team. So I, I'm going to call you out and say you're outside of track. Outside? I, I think he's capable of an eighth world championship. I'm going to leave you this one thought before we go to this next ad break, okay? And we've still plenty coming up on Gridwalk. You said it yourself a little while ago when I said they've got to let go of 2021. In one of my track, my Gridwalks a little while ago, Toto is still calling out and referring to I Michael th- Massey. And he referenced it coming to Abu Dhabi, this one, saying at least we've got a good race director now. They haven't let it go. And you, how do you move forward when you do not let go of the past? You have to let go of the past. I think you've got an issue with Toto as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Where's his, what's his heritage? Where's he from? But yeah, well, okay. Where, where is he from, Carl? Well, is he Austrian? Similar to where my grandfather was yeah, from. Yeah, so, so. where's Reinler from? Austrian. You were, oh, you were clipping me saying I'm a Max fan Dutch, because of the Dutch family. The Dutch Austrian. The Austrians, the Austrians yeah, hang out yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to join in the conversation, remember, tell me I'm my inside or outside track limits. 1 300 736 736. 40 Winks Temper text line 0433 98 11 16. And right now, we're taking an ad break. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. 
Yes, he's open. Now it's time for DRS. Drama, rumours, socials. Thanks to Sportsnet. Sportsnet Holidays. For money can't buy, F1 experiences. Huge shout out to the team at Sportsnet Holidays. I'm going to give them a big thanks at the end of the show as well. But how good. They came on board very early on in the gridwalk journey. Dan Ciccone and the whole team there. Will Barnes has been a regular guest. They've still got some tickets, not many, some tickets for the Australian Grand Prix next year. And that's going to lead up my uh, my DRS segment today, Carl, because uh, Mark from Quakers Hill on the call alluded to this a little earlier. There is a very cheeky person who wrote an opinion piece in the Herald Sun this week. It was politically motivated. It had nothing to do with the sport. It undermines what we are trying to achieve as a sport in this country. And I'm referred to the article by uh, Steve Price in the Herald Sun. I'll name check it because I feel it was completely out of order. It gave our sport that we love a bit of a clip, undermined the, the integrity of an event that is selling out. I mean, I just mentioned Sports and Holidays is basically the last place you can buy a ticket, and that's in the corporate section. But saying that uh, the sport is, is going to go, we've got to let go of it, rip up the contract, send it back, send it somewhere else... I think it's unnecessary. And uh, if there was a peanut of the year award, I think I'd give it to Steve Price. There you go, straight off the top. Yeah, look, I I think it's an amazing event. I think that's what we need to ask ourselves. But not only at an Australian level, like all, you know, Aussies love the event. We, we were sold out, you know, it, good luck trying to get a ticket after after been on sale for two hours, right? Yeah. But how many people did we have at the event this year? 426,000? Yeah. Absolute records. The scenes. It's the youngest demographic viewing of sport anywhere in the world now. Yeah, exactly. But on a global scale, I think the Australian Grand Prix ranks on numbers as one of one of the greatest from a spectator's point of view. The teams love it. The Media loves love it. it. All, all, Formula One themselves the Euro- love it. Yeah. All the Europeans that I talk to that come over, they say the Australian Grand Prix is our favourite. We absolutely love it. The fans are unlike any anywhere else on the planet. Um, yeah, it's it's a great event. Yeah. Um, so there British, you go. British That's Grand, first one. British Grand Prix, <laughs> I reckon, had maybe a, a fraction more, 450-odd thousand people. Yeah. Texas had 450,000. But the Australian Grand Prix at 426,000 ranks as one of the, the most popular of all of them. Yeah. Oh, look, I just think it's uh, what warmed the cockles of my heart, Carlos, was the comment section under the article. And I read it and nearly every person said, uh, jog on, mate, jog on. This is a great event. We love it. Say no more. And one of the other um, uh, demographics I think I should mention, the rise of young females buying tickets with other young females going to watch the sport is a fantastic thing. And the Girls on Track program, which is run by the FIA and also Motorsport Australia, should be commended for their approach to, to really build on the interest level. And we've had two guests in this studio, both 16-year-old females that are on their pathway to Formula One right now. So uh, jog on, Peanut. Yep, agreed, 100%. All right. Can we keep going with some others? There you go. Glad you got that off your chest. Yeah, oh, do you notice I've been, I came off the long run up on that one. I was at the stall gift off the back markers. Now, where to for Lance Stroll? You said he should go and play tennis. Did I say that? No, I put those words in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, where does Lance go? Uh, I, I don't know what the latest is. We, we spoke about it a couple of months ago. Uh, at the moment, his father, Lawrence, still owns the team. They've just signed a new engine deal for, for 2026, I think, with Honda. Honda supplying the motors. Um, he's pulled his finger out, I think. He's done a, done a really good job. Well, last weekend, Vegas. You just saw me looking at my no, timing no, 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 charts. No, no. Vegas. Yep. Vegas, he finished. It was his season best result. Was it fifth? I think he finished fifth in Vegas, which was incredible. He should be proud of that performance, but he's just not their consistency. Yeah. 
uh, consistently, I should say. So is he? We are. We look at the FP one from this weekend. Look at the talent we've got coming through. Jack Doohan can't find a seat. Tio Porcher can't find a seat. Vesti can't find a seat. Well, Where do you, uh, Liam Lawson, one of our guests, can't find a seat. So their own test driver, Felipe Drogovic, yeah. who's an F two champion. Yep. He finished second in the FP1 practice session in yeah. that Aston Martin. So he's capable of being quick in a practice session in the same car. At what point do you go, this is about performance and not about family? When and- does the sport step in and go, we've got this like embarrassment of riches of young talent? I think the sport has never been in a better place for young talent coming through, ready yeah. to take the next step. I'd agree. And yet you've got a, a driver there who on his day can show great glimpses of speed. But Liam Lawson came in, did an incredible job. Outstanding young driver, and we can't get him on the grid. Yeah, there's so much talent out there. I, I think he um, – I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised in the off-season if there's an announcement and he moves on to something else. Uh, Logan Sargent, does, has he done enough to keep his seat? He's shown some pretty good glimpses recently. It's – my only, my only concern is it too little too late. Yep. He got points at – the American Grand Prix, it was, uh, was it Texas or was it Vegas? He's, he's got points a couple of times recently. Qualified really well in Vegas. Vegas, he looked great. Sixth. Yeah. I just wonder if, you know, he's finally got a bit of confidence and uh, you know, bravado in the car. But, you know, I think Williams have committed to him for next year. They've made it clear early on. And uh, I think that's that uh, that nurture nurturing has, uh, has certainly helped him. Now, the last one I want to talk about before we go to our last ad break, before we wrap up our entire year of grid walk, which is a very strange thing to say for me, is um, Andretti F1. The the story that seems to be there, ever-present, bubbling along, the latest team to the grid, the 11th team, the 22nd or 22 cars. What's going on, mate? It's gone quiet, hasn't it? Yeah, well, so um, the FIA gave their approval. Now it needs Liberty Media and the teams to give their approval for this one to have. But it just seems there's some cat and mouse games being played there. Is there anything you're hearing? I've, I've heard nothing. I, I haven't been to a Formula One race since Qatar. I've missed the last few. But I'd, I'd love to personally, I think we all agree, we'd love to see another team on the, the grid. There's a lot of teams out there that are against having an 11th team. Uh, financially, it's not as good for them. But I think for the sport, it's better to have 22 cars on the grid. Means we can fit a couple of those drivers I just mentioned before onto the grid as well, doesn't it? It, it, it solves a lot of problems. That some of the excuses that they're coming up with, I just don't buy. Uh, saying, oh, there's not enough space in certain pit lanes for another another garage. No, Build another garage. Look, look what they did with Vegas. Yeah. They built an entire... Yeah, you know, re rebuilt the entire city. Spent over a billion. <laughs> spent over. I did. Yeah, spent over a billion dollars and rebuilt it in nine months. If they can do that, they can. Every circuit you go to yeah. that doesn't have the garage space, you can. I don't, I don't know. There's a. They don't have the solution focus when it comes to no. this eleventh team. They've done. They've ticked the boxes. They've done everything right. Their intention is clear. The FIA have endorsed it and approved it. I, I really hope it comes off. Hey, uh, another text message that came in, and still he, he's on fire tonight. I'm going to wrap a couple of his into one at the moment. So to quote Doug Fee, and this is his message, long-time boss of the Pratt Miller Corvette Le Mans team, success is 25% good team, 25% good driver, 25% good car, and 25% good luck. You'd be hard-pressed to disagree. There's only one element missing right now. Stilly, P.S. Oh, here we go. 
P.S. You're so far outside track limits, we'd have to get the extend boom crane to pick you up out of the gravel trap. Thank you, uh, well, Stilly. Yeah, he no, also said you. I woke up and chose violence today as well after my little <laughs> rant before, but I feel better. I actually got it off. My, this is a bit of therapy for me. It's cathartic, Carl. You've got a weight off your shoulders, and I'm, I'm happy for you. All right, let's go to our last ad break for season 2023 on Grid. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. We have five seconds penalty. On Gridwalk, it's the stewards' room. Thanks to Morris, bringing our personal approach to personal finance. We've talked about different rules. We've talked about different regulations. This one, though, Carl, it's like the gift that doesn't stop giving and that is the pit lane rules. We saw uh, Max backing them up earlier and people getting upset. We've seen George Russell backing them up in pit lane. Then we allowed them to overtake in pit lane and said, if you wanted to wait, go off to the left. Then we saw Max overtaking in Abu Dhabi through the tunnel in the pit lane. Stuff that we never see. That just doesn't happen. It's the ridiculous nature of the tyres right now in qualifying trim and having to find you a little bit of track position. But it's, Carl, it, what are they going to do, mate? They have to lock down this regulation because it looks ridiculous when you flip-flop. I, I agree. I think they need to continue to, to look at solutions. And, and the problem is it, it, it feels very reactive at the moment. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of lot of people that have a vested interest. The drivers want what they want. The team managers want, want what they want. The FIA are looking through the lens of safety, of course. And the problem is every circuit you go to presents a unique challenge. And obviously, as we know with Abu Dhabi, you've got the tunnel to exit the pits. And that's something that they 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 didn't obviously consider or think about that someone would actually overtake in the tunnel. Yeah, they've reacted to it. They've deemed it to be unsafe. I think that's pretty reasonable. No, it is because imagine getting blocked up like if they had a, had, oh. a, had a, a, an incident in that tunnel. But look, regardless, Carl, they have to do something about this. Surely. Yeah, I I, I agree. They they can't be blocking in pit lane yeah. as we saw back in Singapore, where I think there were a couple of reprimands handed out. Yeah. Uh, but then overtaking in pit lane, it's arguably the most dangerous place yeah. on the track, not for the drivers, but for the team members. So yeah, in the off season, there's going to be a lot of uh, consideration, a lot of thinking as they do every year. They look at every, just about every rule in the rule book and try to improve it, try to make it better for everyone. Now, a quick shout out as well to Motorsport Australia. It was their, their um, brainstorming with Paul Reardon, Panda and myself that brought about the stewards room. So huge shout out to the team at Motorsport Australia and Morris Finance for getting on board and supporting the segment. Um, arguably global leaders when it comes to communicating stewards' decisions in motorsport. So well done, Motorsport Australia. Thank you for supporting us this year. We'll bring that back in 2024. Someone else we're going to be hoping to bring back in 2024 joins us on the line from Yas Marina, Sean Virtual. Statman Kelly, mate, welcome back to the show. How many Grand Prix have you attended this year? Uh, I've attended all but one. Uh, the only one I didn't do is Jeddah, and I did that from Formula One TV's headquarters in London. So I, I've been either at the track or on one occasion in the studio. And Sean, mate, uh, Sean Kelly, for those that are new to the show, because we're building our audience throughout this year, Sean Kelly is the man that has all the stats for the Sky F1 coverage, for my coverage whenever I'm commentating, and also for most of the Grand Prix around the world. Sean, uh, you're working with F1 Experiences over there. You're the host with the most. Um, I had a segment down with you earlier this year that was called Statman Stat of the Week. Do you have a stat of the year for season 2023, Sean Kelly? Well, I mean, any stat you come up with for this season is going to be about Max Verstappen, isn't it? I mean, it's his dominance like we've never seen in the sport. He's get, 
most wins, most podium finishes, highest points total, largest winning margin, most consecutive wins, and most laps led in a season. And that actually parlays into the stat that I'm going to be watching in this particular Grand Prix. Of course, Max Verstappen is on pole position. The last eight uh, races here have been won from pole position. So you would think he's a big favorite today. But he is up to 951 laps led. There are 58 laps in this Grand Prix. If he leads 49 of them, he will reach 1,000 laps led by a driver in a single season. That has never been done even remotely close before. Only two constructors have ever done that in a season. So that will be the countdown. If Verstappen is dominating this race, can he get to 1,000? Sean, that from a stats guy, that must be like Nirvana, mate. You're going to be watching that. I I love I love that you have such a passion for this, mate, and I really do appreciate uh, all the time you've given to this year, this year as well. Max Verstappen has been dominant. It's been incredible. But the, the stat that I think has really stood out for me particularly is the one about a Red Bull 1-2, and we saw Sergio Perez looking under threat to bring that home, and now that threat seems to have dissipated. But uh, incredible to think the dominance they've had over the journey they've never had a one-two in the championship it is i mean i think perez has labored to that second place in the championship this year but i mean verstappen has obviously strolled to this third consecutive championship but perez has looked vulnerable on a number of occasions and also again yesterday his last lap time was deleted okay it would have only put him sixth on the grid i think but these are mistakes that, that max verstappen generally doesn't make he's done that once this season in Austin, where he lost the pole position time, but the rest of the time he's made precious little mistakes on the racetrack. And um, yeah, Perez probably should have had second place locked up a bit sooner, but I think now that he has, he has now succeeded in getting that second place, uh, I think that will make him his seat more secure, should we say, at least going into 2023. I think that will quell the speculation. Had he not been second, had he lost that out to Lewis Hamilton, which was a possibility a few weeks ago, um, I think they might have reconsidered his, his position. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. Um, while I've got you as well, mate, you, you on the ground also look through tyre um, runs, particularly on Friday. We've mentioned off the top of this show whilst you were travelling into Yas Marina that um, we can't really get a good read on it because of the interruption in FP2 and the, the, um, the, the rookie drivers that ran through FP1. But someone on the ground there, we've had a caller in earlier talking about the conditions in Yas Marina for this weekend. Um, Carl and I seem to think that Ferrari and uh, McLaren are much closer to Red Bull than they've ever been and a genuine shots at a race he, a race win here tonight. Um, from you on the ground there, someone that's been at every Grand Prix bar one, and even then you, you work on them all anyway, um, what's your sense of it? Is it Red Bull by how far or is Ferrari and McLaren red hot shots at the race win here tonight? Well, I, I hate to be... Uh... Uh, poo-pooing the party here, but I do expect Verstappen to run and hide. It, it is in the nature of this racetrack that the, the pole sitter is, is heavily favoured to win this race. As I said, every pole sitter has won at Abu Dhabi since 2015. That's the longest consecutive streak of any racetrack in Formula 1. So I would expect Verstappen to have a nice Sunday evening stroll to a potential what 19th win would it be this season. Um, so I, I don't really expect them to, to offer too much um, opposition to him, certainly not like it was in Las Vegas. And, but I would also caveat that by saying, if it does happen, I'll be surprised. And whenever a statistician is surprised, it means we're having an exciting race because it means <laughs> something's happening that we were not expecting. And I, I would also say we had a very interrupted FP2 session when we normally do the long run uh, stuff, the high fuel runs. Um, this Carlos Sainz red flag and the Nico Hulkenberg red flag, 
basically disrupted everything. So we're not absolutely sure where everyone is in terms of their race pace, and neither are they, because they haven't done long runs in the evening. You know, you can do all these long runs in FP1 and FP3, but it's daylight. You've got different track conditions in the evening. So we're not absolutely certain where we are, but put it this way, you know, I, I, I find it very difficult to bet against the Dutchman who's been winning every race this year. Um, Sean, Carl here. Great to chat again, and uh, thanks for joining us from Yas Marina. Uh, I, it's a really good point I think you make that they're, whenever they've had a disrupted practice session, uh, it makes for a more interesting race, I feel. They, they don't have all the information. We saw at Qatar some of the mistakes with, uh, with the planks underneath the car um, coming in under, under the tolerance. Um, what are your thoughts on, on on having a reduced amount of practice time? Where does that? I mean, from a selfish point of view for yourself, it makes it more difficult to come up with accurate statistics. But do you think it's better for the sport having reduced practice time? Well, on the one hand, you're right; it does add a little bit of chaos theory, but it also shortchanges the fans who want to come to the racetrack. You know, because ultimately they want to see the cars on track. And of course, last week uh, the fans who showed up on Thursday night were not rewarded in this respect. Um, but it does take some some of the sure you know the sure thing out of the strategy work. I think using the force, so to speak, and using some guesswork, using a little bit of a sort of past engineering knowledge, uh, is it adds a little bit of chaos to the mix. So I'm all for that. I mean, one way I thought perhaps we could fix the problem is run qualifying as the very first session of the weekend when you're still sorting the car, you've got to sort of hit the ground running and then do a, and then do the practice sessions after qualifying. So the grid's already set, oh, go out cool. and do some I practice. Like it. That way, you might have a slightly unusual grid as people didn't quite get up to speed as quick as they thought they would, but the spectators still get plenty of cars on track. I think that that might be a that, good compromise. But that's the first time I've heard that. How do we implement TV, that's cool. That's another matter. I'm going, to be, I'm going to get hey, on the phone straight after this. We're, uh, we're on board. We're on board. We're Teams uh, Virtual Statman. Hey, just quickly, we've got a, a couple of text messages that have come through as well. Um, nice work, boys, but time for the chequered flag. I know, I know. It's the end of the season for us. Uh, and also, why is every Tom, Dick and Harriet allowed out on the track prior to a race? It looks messy. Now, let's talk to Sean, who's been on. Uh, well, actually, Sean, when was the last time you were on a grid? We made, uh, you know what? I saw you. Let's just go to Vegas for two seconds because you were the most well-dressed man in the paddock, Sean. Top-notch, mate. You looked absolutely uh, fantastic. But my big question is, did you put it all on red and did you win? Uh, well, actually, I, to be honest, I didn't have enough time to go to a casino and bet anything. But you are right. I did go the whole hog with my uh, my uh, fitted suit for race day because it was Las Vegas. I, I think it'll be getting its next outing race day at Alba Park next year because obviously you've got to save it for the big occasion. Hey, uh, Sean, thank you so much this year. For those that have uh, been listening in or have listened to our show, you can catch Sean on all the social media, mainly under the name of Virtual Statman. We're getting to the end of our show right now, Carl Reinlott, so I'm going to give a few big shout-outs. Thanks. Um, we'll let you get back to your work over there, Sean, and we'll keep going with the end of our show for the end of our first season for what has been incredible with Gridwalk. Thanks to Hutchie for taking a chance on a weekly Formula One show. Sam Thompson and the entire SEN radio crew for dealing with the ridiculous tra travel schedules of both Carlos and myself. We are apparently the most technically compact show in the entire family. Our producers, Chris Clifunas, who looked after us for most of the year. Jordan Canellis helped us with our first show. And Chris Yield tonight. Really appreciate it, mate, for getting on board and helping us out 
on this incredible season. To our sponsors, Temper, Jason Nicholas, he was the, the first sponsor in, and we really appreciate it. The team at Bedpost in New Zealand and 40 Winks in Australia. Sportsnet Holidays, Dan Ciccone, Nick, Frank and Will Barnes joining us throughout the entire year. Morris Finance, a huge thanks also to Motorsport Australia and the Australian Grand Prix Corporation for your incredible support. We had guests like Liam Lawson, Veltri Bottas and everyone you could imagine, Carlos. Thank you very much, Cam. Thank you to you. It's been oh. a lot of fun, mate, on uh, onwards and upwards. It has been awesome. I really appreciate everybody for your involvement. Enjoy the race tonight, and we'll see you all in 2024 with big smiling faces from Carl Reinler and Cam Vandendungen. We'll see you next year.